I don't remember. This is a side note. Um, I remember seeing on Twitter, I believe. So it's a hundred percent legit, hundred percent. You know, you got to believe everything you see on Twitter. But I, I think Absolutely. I saw, yeah, a hundred percent. I I think I saw. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Meet, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, we're talking all about autonomous tractors of all things. And with us to talk about this episode, another member of our all-star crew is fan favorite Patrick of the Silly Monday Things podcast. Patrick, how are you doing? Hi, how's it going? I'm doing great. I am totally a tractor expert and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back on the show. It's been a while. It's always fun to hear your voice again. Yeah. I mean, I hear it every day, but I mean, you know, like, <laughs> uh, I'm coming so, with the jokes. So, I hope you're ready. I don't know. I I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm out of practice. You know, I haven't, I haven't guessed it in a while. It's been a minute. <laughs> I'm happy to, to get back on and talk with you. It has been some time. I'm always, always happy to hear your jokes. They're always the best. Uh, totally. I am an expert dad joke teller. Just has my kids. I keep them laughing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, real quick, just go ahead and remind everybody who you are, what you do. Um, if you have anything else you'd like to plug, be sure to do that now. All right. Well, my name is Patrick. I enjoy long walks on the beach, um, uh, Marvel movies, technology. Um, yeah. So <laughs> No, uh, seriously. So uh, my name is Patrick. I have now a couple of podcasts. I record... Silly Mundane Things, my friend Becky, it's a little bit of everything, and kind of on a little bit of a hiatus right now, the last episode is with none other than our very own Brendan Black here, so uh, <laughs> you guys might be interested to check it out. Um, I started a new podcast, though, I'm talking a lot about tech with my friend AK, Um we talk about a lot of things. I've gone over the last couple of episodes, my adventures in upgrading to an iPhone, and it is more fun than you might think. Um... Uh, a certain company has really made my life difficult there, but we did get it through. So a little teaser there if you wish to listen. Otherwise, uh, yeah, that, it just I'm excited to talk about uh, smart tractors here. Uh, it, it's kind of touches a special place in my heart because it's a lot. It reminds me a lot of this company. Reminds me a lot of the Tesla of tractors, and I'm really excited. I watched the video, wasn't sure what to think, what I was going to think about it, and I watched and I said. I've learned stuff, and this is really cool. So we're excited to talk with you guys about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, like Patrick said, that uh, this this whole conversation you know goes back to tech and ag, and I mean, it kind of works out perfectly. You get to plug your new tech podcast, and we're talking about new tech in the industry that I like talking about. So it's a it's a win win. I don't know if I actually said the name of my my other podcast. I'm I'm really bad at doing this. It's uh, called Ubiquitous <laughs> Methods. Ubiquitous. Uh, it will be in the show notes. I hope because my spelling. Yeah, it's. Definitely. I was concerned about spelling on that one. They're like, well, I'm sure it'll be fine, and, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but Ubiquitous Methods. I like the name. Hard to spell, but it'll be fine. I'm sure you guys you guys can find it. It'll be great. I like it. Yeah, I'll definitely put it in the show notes. You're going to have to send it to me though, because I will not be able to spell that for the <laughs> Oh no. Okay. <laughs> my fears come true. <laughs> awesome so yeah so that'll be down in the show notes so you guys can go check awesome. that out and continue this this you know knowledge curve of, of technology if you're if you're on that binge um but starting off our, our technology conversation is the video that patrick alluded to earlier 
which is a video that I sent to him that I've, I've recently, it's been brought to my attention and I, I want to do an episode on it. Um, it's by a YouTube channel by the name of Now You Know. And they do a little series called In-Depth where they kind of uh, take a, a piece of technology that's new and they analyze it and break down all the like the company that's developing it and like what the tech consists of and what the future of that industry may look like uh, because of this tech. And so they did a YouTube video called This Tractor Could Change Farming Forever. And it's about a company called Monarch, which, like Patrick said, is basically like the Tesla of agriculture, which is really cool. <laughs> and they produce a self-driving electric tractor, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, I mean, if, if if anybody has done farming, which I don't know anybody listening to this podcast who would know anything about farming or anything, but, you know, being out in the field is hot. <laughs> and so <laughs> the fact that you could just send your tractor out to go do a whole bunch of stuff, watering and, you know, taking care of your crops and that kind of stuff would be awesome for you up to do other things. So I'm I think that is super fantastic. Well, it even goes back to a conversation that we had, and actually the, the first episode I ever had you on for this show, mm-hmm. uh, it was the first episode of my second season, and the first episode that I had a non-ag guest on, um, and in it we talked about the idea that we use robots in agriculture, and, and when we say robots, we don't mean, you know, Wally. and at that point you uh, left the episode, but <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it, was, it was really cool to you know, talk about conceptually this idea of like we have autonomous, you know, robotic vehicles that are going out and, and taking care of like the spraying and the watering and you know uh, picking the crops and all that kind of stuff and now we're actually seeing the physical representation of that conversation played out in this company yeah absolutely and i i feel like i feel like these guys really know what they're talking about on when they're making a tractor because they're tackling problems that me being you know a non-ag person i'm still aware of the problem of irrigation and that kind of stuff that that tractors have to solve and that it sounds to me like they are really thinking outside the box in a positive way on how to make a battery powered tractor feasible for a farmer because things like hot swappable batteries you can you can change out the battery on one of these tractors in like 10 minutes and the tractor can run for 10 hours on a charge so they can run for 10 hours Go do 10 minutes, swap out the pack, and put in a new battery pack, and then it can go back to work again. I mean, something like that. Again, if you've ever worked on a tractor before, you get a breakdown, and it's major, and the whole operation stops, and you can't just, you know, there is no such thing as a 10-minute repair for the most part. And so that's huge, where you're just basically no downtime. You know, I mean, I would I would venture to say that probably fueling up takes 10 minutes on a tractor oftentimes. Maybe not that much, but it, it, it takes a little bit of time. So the fact that you can swap out it batteries does. and just run for 10 hours, that's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention, in, in a lot of situations, depending on the operation, not only does it take, you know, 10 minutes just to, to fuel up, but you have to completely leave what you were doing, go and fill up, and then go back to where you were and, and resume your progress. With this, you could stop right in the middle of the field and just go out and switch the battery, and, and you're good yeah. to go. Yeah, there's no so fueling that, that station. You take the battery to the you take the battery back to the tractor, and it's ready to go. Right, exactly. So that was a really cool idea. I thought that I thought that they did really well with, and you highlighted a really important point there, which was these guys understand agriculture. They understand the issues that they're facing, the challenges that they need to overcome, and what this tractor would need to do for it to be worth it for a farmer to buy. 
And that's something we're seeing. And like, there, there are definitely tech companies who are producing technology that is useful in agriculture, but you're seeing some that are producing tech just for the sake of it existing. Yeah. Um, you know, they're producing, because like, like the, the video mentioned, there are other companies that are producing electric tractors, but none of them are as efficient, as cost efficient, as, as effective at their job as, as this particular model that's being produced by Monarch. And we're seeing that happen a lot in ag is, you know, these companies are producing tech. They're like, yeah, this electric tractor or this, you know, self-driving or the self-operating drone or, you know, all this stuff that's useful. But is it doing the job that the farmer needs it to do? And that question isn't always as clear as, as it can be. And this yeah. tractor 100% checks the box of what it needs to be doing. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it likes it. it. I like how, like from from the uh, day edit <laughs> uh, but uh, staying in there bud seriously it's like come on mouth work words come on you can do this um but but in, in the thought process of of thinking exactly what you need they make the tractor uh i think so 1.1 meters wide so trying to fit in between rows of crops like you can't typically drive a full-size tractor in between rows of crops and without wasting a ton of space and they were thinking about that where you can drive your tractor between the different rows and that kind of stuff that's a really good thought process and because if you don't have a pilot in there you don't have to have it a, a certain size it just goes and it just fits between the rows no rhyme intended. Yeah, so so one of the you know one of the most effective things. I mean, like like you just mentioned, the the tractor is narrower, so it can it can it can account for you know smaller rows when it comes to to crops, which is huge. But I mean, one of the one of the other big things that I thought was really interesting was that you know it had this this whole like agrivoltaics thing that they kept throwing around that word that you know nobody yeah. seems to know what it means. But um, basically, you know, they they broke it down as this idea that because. I, I don't know if you uh, if you caught they have a like a link to an Oklahoma State or not uh, Oregon State um, video attached to it that explains what agrivoltaics is. No, but I wanted to look into that more. I didn't get a chance before the show. But that is that where? Uh, please stop me if I'm I'm talking completely wrong. But is that the uh, what they were talking about? How uh, the light saturation points versus you know, you know most most of the time in agriculture you're doing more watering to keep the plant from burning up and they were talking about using the solar panels to uh, to provide shade so that way they don't have to use as much water or is that something completely different because I love that point and I learned I love and I couldn't remember if that was agrivoltaics or not so uh <laughs> no you're you're definitely you know you're, you definitely hit the nail around the head I mean it's okay Basically, agrivoltaics refers to food production using electricity, um, and okay, so it's okay. mostly using like solar panels. Like uh, in, yeah. in my, you know, in my local area, I see solar panels placed in fields like all the time. That's like a really common thing, um, and it's becoming more and more common with with this whole you know agrivoltaics like electric you know vehicle being introduced to ag you know sector kind of thing. We're seeing a ton of of new ways of because basically at the end of the agrivoltaics refers to a symbiotic relationship you know it's the use of uh, electric uh, electricity producing technology that improves the life of a farm and the farm improves the life of that technology it's kind of like a, like a they go back and forth yeah so one, thought... one of the sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no i'm sorry i'm sorry i was just gonna say i thought it was really cool how they were using the and i'm probably i think i'm derailing you a little bit so we can you know <laughs> maybe not put this point in i don't know but i liked how they were talking about the solar panels moving 
to catch the sun, but also to let the plants catch sun and maybe in the less less harsh sunlight so they can just move everything around to get the plants what they need, but they can also catch a lot of sun because it makes a lot of sense. You have big wide open fields catching lots of sun, so using the solar panels in those fields when you can to generate electricity, I thought that was super smart um, in conjunction with these electric tractors. I mean, you could, in theory, run everything off of solar just in just off of what you're making there, which is awesome. I mean, that's what a, a farm ideally is there to do is to, you know, live off the land and to, to, <laughs> to make more than you, than you eat essentially. And so that's super cool. They could do that with electricity as well. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And that's, that's been a big push lately in the agriculture industry is to try to find new ways to, uh, for one, lower the environmental damage that uh, agriculture causes, because it doesn't matter how much you support the industry, you have to acknowledge that producing food is going to cause some level of environmental damage. Um, and so, this new technology serves a great goal that agriculture has been trying to look towards, which is reducing their, their environmental damage and increasing their efficiency while doing so. And being able to reduce water waste, which is a huge deal here in California, because as I'm yeah. sure you know, we don't have water. <laughs> um, so <laughs> You have earthquakes. We have earthquakes, but we have no water. That is that is accurate. Um, <laughs> so, like but having eighty five percent of the world's water use in ag, I did not know that. So, eighty five percent of the fresh water use is for ag, yeah. which is crazy town. I did not. I mean, I knew it was a lot, but that is crazy. And it most is. of it's wasted because of these agrovoltaics. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just you, you got. It's not the the water is used to keep the plants from burning up. But if you could shade them with solar panels, you could make electricity, save water. Um, I thought that was huge. Way more interesting than the CO two emission reduction, in my opinion. Yes, I no, I absolutely agree. And I think that a big part of that 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 gets kind of left out of the conversation is you know when we think of you know eighty five percent of of water use being pushed towards agriculture and and you know a ton of that water being wasted. You know, a lot of people are quick to blame like oh yeah well you know agriculture in the united states is really wasteful there's a certain degree that it is but a lot of the wasted water goes towards a lot of those underdeveloped countries that rely on agriculture so like india um which india is not underdeveloped by any means but their agricultural systems definitely are um but a lot of like african countries even like asian countries that focus really heavily on on agriculture but they don't have you know refined technology to try to mitigate some of that water loss you know it's not just you know it's not just American agriculture that, that wastes, you know, water, but that is, that yeah. definitely is a big concern that's been going on for a while, especially like I mentioned in, you know, my home of, of the, the Golden State, we don't have, you know, we don't have water to, to waste. I mean, like that is the number one issue that all farmers in California are facing is how to use the water that we do have as smart as possible. Um I mean, we used to we used to make jokes whenever I would go out of state and we were into like kids from other states that find out we're from California. We you know it start raining and we're like, hey, what what's this? And and they're like, what, what do you mean it's rain? And we're like, what what's this rain you speak of? We don't get this in in California. And, Seriously, <laughs> but you know it, it goes back to you know this whole idea that we don't have a lot of water to waste. And even you know California being you know one of the actually the top agricultural producing state in the country, you know it's, it produces ninety nine percent of the crops grown. In, in the entire nation, only 40% of the water per, that California gets goes towards agriculture. So we really don't have that much water to use, even on top of the lack of water that we get as a state. Um, wow. So, so having have to, to do something. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, like infrastructure would be great, but technology is really our, our best option right now to you know to try to waste as little water as possible and allocate water as efficiently as possible to where we need it. That's why drip irrigation has become so much more popular. That's why um, even like you know certain genetically modified crops that are better at, at you know handling droughts, you know they're able to retain water for longer periods of time and not waste the water that's given to them. Um, there's all kinds of of new technologies that are emerging to try to deal with it, but this could be. I mean, this could. Be be a game changer because like you said like you said it not only uh, prevents water waste but it produces clean electricity or uh, clean energy too which is another big challenge that agriculture is facing right now yeah i mean that that makes a huge difference because again if you can charge your electric tractor and you can power your house and then you know keep everything lit up with your own solar then you know that's huge and i don't remember this is a side note um i remember seeing on Twitter, I believe. So it's a hundred percent legit. hundred percent. You know, you gotta believe everything you see on Twitter. But I, I think Absolutely. I saw Yeah, a hundred percent. Um but I, I think I saw that if you were to cover like uh so it goes it was a map showing how much, you know, land area is available in the United States, you know, some like hundred million acres or something like that. And and I think mm-hmm. if you covered a, a, a tiny portion the size of you know an itty bitty portion of a, of a state like you could put it in the middle of nowhere you know and, and cover it with solar panels you could power the entire grid of, of the United States so it's interesting to me as this kind of technology m- spreads from areas that have to have it like California where there's no water to areas that maybe don't have to have it but they can you know generate power and still save money and so it becomes economically vi- uh, viable it's interesting to me how you know how much more of our grid could potentially be powered by solar just because of well hey I can power my own house and run my farm and also I can pass more back to the grid and you know have potentially more private power not just not just monopolies. I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking out of my head now. So, <laughs> but but the potential for you know, private because because people aren't aware if you put if you a lot of places that do solar on the roof you know not farms just you know regular homes it mm-hmm. doesn't run off of the solar you you essentially in most places you get a credit back from the power company so you're still connected to the grid and they calculate how much power you generated and then they give you a credit so you use 200 watts of you know kilowatts of power and you generated 210 kilowatts of power so we're going to give you a credit back um, and you just got this year there this month for free essentially and i don't really like that but you know if everyone was doing that they or maybe you know they could collectively make business out of it i mean there's some a lot of potential here i think um, and again kind of tangenting a little bit but I'm I'm excited about that. I think that's really cool. Especially you can save water, make electricity. I I'm, I'm down for it. <laughs> no, you're you're definitely onto something. I mean, there's a lot of potential there for you know this technology to be further utilized in other industries and even in, in like the you know domestic markets. Um, I mean, solar is something that's been around for a while now, but it hasn't quite reached its full potential in terms of efficiency and utility and financial yeah. you know viability. Um, but it seems like it's definitely reaching that point now, which is you know incredibly impressive for that industry and it's also you know going to be i think it's going to be largely utilized in in a lot of different industries that are relying more and more on technology i mean like agriculture for example oh, but, the, f- yeah. the future is bright if you will <laughs> <laughs> dad joke so i told you i told you <laughs> you you did you did deliver on your promise 
um, but no, one, one of the other big things I really wanted to touch on um, that they talked about in the video was kind of the, first of all, the tech involved and also uh, what this means for the future of agriculture and for the future of electricity as, as a, like electric producing technology. Um, so like we mentioned earlier, not only is this the, uh, not only is Monarch the Tesla of agriculture, but they actually have a former Tesla employee working for them. <laughs> um, yes. I, can't, I, I didn't get his name, but did, were you able to catch um, you know some of the stuff that he did for Tesla when he was over there? I I don't I don't remember. It seems like he was a pretty high ranking person. Though. It wasn't just a you know ground level engineer or whatever. He he I think he was a director or something like that. So he he had a pretty. He, he talked up his credentials pretty high, so whether or not it was uh, whether or not it was to be, uh, I going off of what he said, I, I he seemed like he knew what in the world he was talking about. They had some they had some really good ideas, so I don't remember what position though. Yeah, no, I I definitely I, I can't remember what he said he was either, but he definitely he seemed like he was one of the big idea guys at Tesla, and he even said that a lot of his uh, ideas for this company were based off of Tesla's ideas as well, which it doesn't seem like they really crossed any, you know, legal red tape. It seems like a lot of it was pretty well approved. Um, yeah. But it, it was definitely a really interesting, it, it was really interesting to see Tesla get transferred over into the ag, ag sphere, which that's not something that has really happened yet. And it's something that I think is, is great potential because, I mean, everyone in their mother today has been paying attention to what, what's been going on with Tesla. I mean, it's, it's a really, you know, massive company that's been getting a ton of headlines lately everyone knows about the cars and, and the technology that's been coming out like everyone's excited about what tesla is doing and to have tesla technology being integrated even into food production i think just expands the conversation even more to just what what this technology is capable of absolutely absolutely and and i like that they didn't take a one-size-fits-all approach like so something that was interesting to me was how their approach to automation is because the automation for a, a car on the road is completely different than the automation for going between rows of crops or how to navigate you know uneven terrain and that kind of stuff and they really thought about that now they were a little bit vague on how they were approaching that admittedly at least in the video but mm. the fact that they even mentioned it, it's that something that I wouldn't have considered, you know, not at first glance, but the fact that they mentioned it and they were thinking about, you know, because in some ways staying on a conventional road is easier because you stay between the yellow line and the white line and don't run into the cars in front of you. And now granted it's at speed, they have their own challenges, but you know, in some ways a tractor, it doesn't have anything to go off of. Like, okay, how do I differentiate this one kind of plant that's good and this one kind of plant that's bad and then how do i know when to turn how do i know and you know here's something walking out here is this a, is this a friend is this a human or is this a an animal you know do, that needs to be you know scared off or whatever you know there is so many variables there that this tractor to be smart has to be really smart <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah that they're they're thinking about that stuff so i think i think I think that's a really good sign whether or not it comes out to practice, you know, Hey, uh, that's remains to be seen, but they're looking to deliver tractors this year. So, you know, apparently they're working on this problem and, and it's uh, a solvable problem because they're, they're delivering. Right. Yeah. The fact that they were so far along in their production that they were able to actually produce or, uh, uh, sell, you know, tangible product was really incredible to me. Um, but no, it, it's exactly what, you know, what you're talking about. They, 
have gotten the science so precise now that they're able to to do things that a lot of people wouldn't even be able to factor into, like you mentioned, you know, like Teslas or, or, or different you know, electric vehicles that are already on the road today. Um, it's something that kind of incorporates a, a new branch of technology that has been involved in agriculture for uh, a few years now. It's been kind of, you know, talked about like under the shadows a little bit, but it's starting to get more and more attention. And that's uh, a, a precision agriculture. I don't know if we talked about that before on the podcast. Um, I can't really remember. That term sounds familiar, but um, let me rephrase. The term doesn't sound familiar, but the idea does. So maybe, maybe refresh. It's been a minute okay. since we talked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it has. So precision uh, precision agriculture, excuse me, mostly refers to technology that is able to basically pinpoint specific areas of an agricultural operation. So it can be anywhere from GPS mapping that allows autonomous tractors to follow the, the mapped out path that is set before them. That way you're avoiding uh-huh. some of the like uh, issues that we were talking about earlier with the, with the tractor not quite knowing where to go. Um, it can be as, as something as, as complex as a drone that flies over like a field of crops and can and can uh, do heat signatures to figure out where the highest um, concentration of pests are or where the uh, highest concentration of, you know, whether it be squirrels or, or bugs or, you know, even like bacteria and, and uh, infections going on on certain plants, they can detect that. Um, precision agriculture can go into even like the soil, you know, it can detect uh, moisture content in soil and tell whether or not the crops are being irrigated enough. Uh, it can tell whether or not the microbiomes and, and the nutrients of the soil are sufficient for the crops to be able to, to grow properly. Basically, it, it gives that more in-depth look to, pr- to provide a lot of the, um, the security against, you know, errors that, that can occur with this technology. So pairing that, you know, autonomous driving uh, uh, electric tractor with this new precision ag that's been out for a few years now, there's definitely a lot of potential for agriculture to get a lot more specific and a lot more efficient. Do you think seeing seeing how much they can drill down, do you think you'll start to see more, this is a bit of a side note, but do you think you'll be able to see more farms farmers getting really specific on the types of crops that they grow so that way they could really drill down so you may see farmers who only farm corn or only farm maybe a specific type of soybean or something you think you'll see more of that um or maybe maybe one farmer does multiple things but you you start to see a lot more of and and you probably see some of this now but maybe a a, a huge portion of of just corn where they maybe they would mix and match more um what do you, what do you think about that? It's, it's am I am I just talking on my butt? <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually something that we kind of struggle with right now as an industry. It's that you know as soon as one crop gets really popular, everyone wants to grow that crop. Um, in, in my hometown, uh, we didn't see cotton growing for like the longest time. Like it used to be huge, and then just everyone stopped growing cotton. And then a few years ago, all of a sudden the cotton market just boomed, and then everyone is growing cotton again. Um, so that kind of stuff is, is already kind of happening to a degree. I mean, there's actually, um, a period, uh, I can't remember when it was now. I want to say it was in the early 20th century, but it might've even been before that, um, that the government had to pay farmers to stop growing corn because we had so much corn. It was just messing up the markets. Um, so like we're, you know, that, that is going to happen regardless. I don't think that precision ag can really do a whole lot about it, but I think what will happen with this technology is that, we're going to get to a point where certain areas of land are going to be analyzed and they're going to be basically given a list of like, here's your content of nutrients for this soil. Here are crops that can be grown the to the best of their quality in the soil. And we're going to see a lot more 
uh, kind of specialization into certain types of crops in certain areas of the country than we were before, uh, which we're already kind of seeing that. I mean, we have the corn belt, we have the cotton belt, we have, you know, the the Midwest is that's mostly cattle, corn and soybeans. I mean, that's all they grow out there. Um, mm, yeah. But, you know, seeing seeing that level of precision happen um, on that scale might even open up the opportunity for us to grow things that we didn't even know we could grow because we didn't realize what content of, of minerals were in, you know, specific areas of soil. Um, so I think that oh. in terms of, you know, expanding the industry to, you know, people realizing that they can only that they'd be able to grow this thing here when, when they couldn't before is a, is a high possibility. But I don't see it being as much of an issue with people, you know, only growing one thing or growing a bunch of things, depending on what the precision ag can, can tell them. If that makes any sense. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. And, and yeah, I, I, did, I hadn't even thought about the, but if you're, as you're drilling down more into what a specific plant needs, I mean, I hadn't even thought about opening up additional types of farming that you could do in an area that you didn't know was available because you didn't make because you're like, oh, well, these minerals actually are really conducive to soybeans. We didn't even, we don't even grow so soybeans here. So, yeah, I think that that is a huge, huge advancement. Yeah. Now, I, I hope that that's the direction that we go with this. Because, I mean, we're constantly looking for, for new areas to grow food because we're running out of land, like, by the day. I mean, um, agricultural operations are getting smaller and smaller. And, you know, well, actually, the the average farm is getting bigger and bigger, but that's because all the small farms are going away. So it says off the average. Um, but a lot of agricultural land is being converted into urban land. So we're seeing, you know, massive amounts of, of, you know, scarcity in certain crops just because we can't grow it because we don't have anywhere to grow it, you know? And so I think that having this new opportunity with this technology to be able to show us like, Oh, well, you know, I know that it's, you know, it, we don't really grow anything there right now, but it actually has a ton of, of potential because its soil is full of selenium, which is really important in growing, you know, corn or, or you know, it's really important in growing cotton or whatever. And so, like, you know, it might be, it, it might not be an issue for the crops that we grow, like, on a massive scale right now, such as corn or, or cotton or soybeans, but for something like, I don't know, strawberries, like, you know, this is completely hypothetical, but let's just say, like, you know, in Montana, they you know, they find out that this one little patch of, of Montana that's not super, super cold has a very high, you know, nutrient content that's sufficient for growing strawberries. They could grow strawberries in, in an area that's it's never been grown before. Um, so I don't think it'll, ne you know, necessarily impact the large scale crops that we, that we already see a lot of, but it might help with a lot of the smaller scale crops that we usually have to trade with other countries to get. Okay. It's interesting that you mentioned Montana because my first thought was, I wonder if that would open up areas that were previously less conducive or completely unconducive to farming like i'm thinking of the more deserty areas of the country or you know more mountainous areas would that open those areas up more to like say smaller crops or you know farming in a way that we hadn't thought of before and i think that it potentially could i mean a lot of the issue with them is also temperature as well i mean obviously it's too cold in montana to grow you know some some fruits and vegetables and it's too hot in you know nevada for example to grow some fruits and vegetables so there definitely needs to be a balance in terms of climate but in terms of you know soil composition and some of the resources available like precision ag basically paves the way for a lot of things to be possible that we didn't previously know were possible in agriculture well, if you cover everything with solar panels, then maybe, uh, then maybe it's not so sunny over there in the in the desert. And that could be an option too. I mean, you know, kind of balancing that, you know, that agrivoltaics, you know, technology like we were talking earlier, that might be the, the ticket to to unlocking some of that land for, for agricultural use. It's definitely possible. 
Absolutely. We got a lot of desert out there. We sure do, and we definitely need to use it for something. Other than soaking up all our rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give that rain over to California. We really need it. Exactly. It's like, hey, we'll trade you rain if you we'll give you solar panels if you give us rain. How about that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, we got make a deal with Mother Nature. Yeah, we got Silicon Valley. They can go over there and build you all kinds of stuff to use up all that sun you get. Just give us all the rain, and then we'll make good use of it. Sounds but. like we've got a deal. <laughs> but there, there is a, another portion of the conversation that they didn't really talk about as much in the video, but this is almost more of a speculative thing um, that I wanted to cover. And that is kind of the future of agriculture in relation to the, you know, both the agrivoltaic technology, but also like the autonomous, you know, self-driving um those are the same thing. I don't know why I said that. That was redundant. But you know, the the autonomous uh, electric vehicle type, you know, technology that we're seeing involved in agriculture. Um, so basically, I know that in a previous episode, you and I talked about the revolutions of agriculture. Yes. Okay, just making sure you're still. I want to make sure you didn't disconnect or something. Um, no, no. <laughs> we had a little bit of cutting cutting out. I'm like, I'm like. Okay, yeah, I'm just, yes, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Um, but yeah, so I know in a previous episode we talked about the, the several different revolutions of agriculture. You know, the uh, uh, implementation of tractors being the second revolution and the, the green revolution being the third, which is like chemicals and, and pesticides and that sort of thing. You know, the fourth is the one that's like kind of debated about. Um, I believe that we are currently in a kind of historic moment in agriculture because we're at a point where two separate revolutions are happening at the same time. Which ones? You said, I think we talked about the, uh, oh, uh, the, like the GMOs being uh, being part of it, like a scientific revolution. What's the other? So that, that scientific revolution, I think, could even be expanded further into um, kind of a new technological revolution that is uh, automated farming. So like we talked about the autonomous tractor, that's a big part okay. of it. And a lot of, a lot of the robots and that sort of thing, um, that technology being combined with GMOs and also with, um, new, uh, well, actually they're not new. They're very old methods of farming, like regenerative agriculture that focuses on, you know, tilling less and preserving soil health and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but basically that one's more on like the, uh, industry side, you know, product, you know, productivity type side of agriculture. That's, that's what I consider like the, the new tech revolution of agriculture. And I think that there is a secondary revolution of agriculture happening. That's a blending of urban and rural types of agriculture. So you see vertical, you know, vertical farming and, you know, more urban type gardens and uh, a lot of integration of agricultural technology in urban areas. And even, exposing people who are from urban areas to what's going on in agriculture kind of like we're talking right now with you know everyone's all over tesla well if they found out that the same tech that's in a tesla car is actually being used in a tractor that might kind of engage them in some new conversations that they hadn't thought about before yeah no that's a good point and honestly i think like the urban farms i i there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening i think with 2020 and people being locked down and wanting to you know Part of it is boredom, and part of it is, you know what? I want to have some fresh food, and so you've got a lot of people doing little square gardens and that kind of stuff. I mean, that we, we do a lot of that. We don't have a lot of property where we're at, and my mm-hmm. wife in our last house was a had a very small yard, and she had a couple little square gardens, and where we're at now, we've expanded that, which is nice. And so, yeah, I, I, and a lot of people in her circle in more urban areas are just doing what they can to to grow little home gardens, and I think... You know, that's a very micro scale to what you're talking about, but I, I feel like it's becoming more in a public conscious consciousness than it might have been 20 years ago. 
Yeah, definitely. And that's and I think that's that's a it's a good point you brought up is very minuscule now compared to, you know, the industry as a whole. Um, but I think that these revolutions are kind of happening like almost like, you know, the the automatic revolution, I think I'm going to call it, is, you know, the, the one that's very tech based, very, you know, method based GMOs, all that kind of stuff being implemented. That one I, I'm considering kind of the fourth revolution. And that one, like we're like smack dab in the middle of it. I think the urban-rural kind of blending revolution that's, you know, more people are starting to go back to the farm, more people are starting to garden, more people are taking an interest in where their food comes from, and almost rather, you know, almost a concern with where their food is coming from as well. Um, More people are being cognizant of, you know, what's going on in the industry than they have in the past probably 20 years. Um, All of these things are happening, you know, simultaneously, but that's almost a revolution that's, like, just beginning. So we're, like, halfway through one, and we're just getting ready to start another one. Where do you see that going? That's a good question. <laughs> um, it's it's hard to say. I think that it's going to create kind of like a strange, uh, kind of a strange climate for agriculture as a whole and for you know the world as a whole. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot more people involved in agriculture than than we ever expected to, which is, in my opinion, fantastic. And I think that a lot of people in agriculture are going to be hesitant to it at first because. They get very stuck in their, you know, if, if you don't grow up on a farm, you don't understand my struggles kind of mentality, which I think is the wrong way to go about it. But I think as we encourage people to get more involved in the ag industry, whether it be in a tech job, whether it be in um, just, you know, being publicly aware of some of the things that are going on and being able to speak about them and vote on issues that are you know revolving around ag- agriculture and, not, and that sort of thing, we're going to start to see kind of this hybrid of rural and urban communities that I'm really looking forward to because this is something I've been preaching forever that we can't keep separating the rural from the urban because it starts to get really sticky. We have to we have to acknowledge that you know we're all people, we're all eating the food. Just because we're not all producing the food doesn't mean we all we don't all eat it. So we need to come together and be able to work together on how that food should be produced more efficiently and how it to be, you know, safe with it and all that sort of stuff. Um so I think we're in a really awkward point in the revolutions because we're in such a transitionary period that's really exciting, but a lot of people don't know what's going to happen next. I think within the next probably, if I had to guess, I'd say 20 to maybe 30 years, we're going to see a lot more of a transition into that kind of hybridization. We're going to see a lot more urban style farms, you know, like small gardens and and vertical farming and hydroponics being implemented. Um, We're going to see a lot more advanced technology that uses the same kind of technology that we're seeing in, uh, domestic, you know, vehicles in the, you know, agricultural sphere, uh, probably more implementation of, you know, green energy like solar panels and, and that sort of type, type of technology, um, even like methane digesters and that side, that, that kind of stuff might be implemented more. Um, it's, it's really hard to say what it's going to look like, but it's not going to look like what we have today. It's not going to be farm and city anymore. I think it's going to be a lot closer to, you know, farm and then like farm city and then city, you know, we're going to see a lot more crossover than I think people are expecting. Well, I mean, I think I like your idea of everybody coming together because, you know, I mean, we could we could all use a little bit of that right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> not, not, not just farming speaking, you know, politically speaking, more so. It's like there's so much you know, vitriol going on. So it's like, you know, if we could all just come together, wear one another's shoes, we all could yeah. uh, stand to get along. <laughs> so, I, I agree with that. And then yeah, that is so the whole... That is the whole message of my show is like, hey, if we can't agree on anything, can we at least agree on that we all need food? I, that's exactly what I was about to say. It's like we all <laughs> need to eat, right? So let, let's work together so we can all continue to eat. How about that? <laughs> yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So I think that 
there 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 are a couple other pieces that I wanted to touch on from the from the video and then I wanted to get your thoughts on some things. Okay. So the first one is the misconceptions that they kind of brushed over. Um because I mean, understandably, you know, they don't have the best perception of what farmers are like because farmers don't really address the public quite as often as they used to. Um and there's this perception that farmers are very you know unintelligent or very just disconnected from the technological world that they're you know they're just kind of stuck in their ways and to some degree you know some farmers are like that um but there's definitely a misconception surrounding farmers not being tech savvy i mean most of the farmers that i've met sure they may struggle with their iphone but they can function you know a tractor like this or like a drone or you know super advanced technology milking machines and all this kind of stuff that the average person wouldn't understand how it works but that farmer knows how to how to do it because that's you know that's his that's his bread and butter right there everybody's and, expert in, in their own thing you know not everybody's right. expert on an iphone because they don't you know most people don't make a living off an iphone yeah but <laughs> if you make a living off a milking machine you better know how to use that milking machine <laughs> exactly and so you know it, it kind of you know I'm not going to say that it rubbed me the wrong way, but hearing that I was kind of like, that's interesting. People, people still think that farmers are not tech savvy when they use technology that's more advanced than like most of the tech that people use in their daily lives. Um, so that was a big thing. And also like farmers not needing precision tech, like we just discussed, precision tech has a massive impact on the ag industry and, and more and more farmers like by the day are adapting it to their operations. So we're seeing that come out more and more. Um, so that was a big thing. Uh, one of the really big things I, I wanted to, to touch on was, you know, people kept, you know, in the video kept saying, well, if, if this if this tractor gets produced, then it's going to be huge because farmers, you know, can can take more time off and they can relax more and they won't have to worry as much about, you know, focusing on, on the, the farm. You and I both played Stardew Valley. I was like, I snickered at that a little bit. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> That, that that's like that's like saying whenever you're at a job and you make this super powered spreadsheet that you know cuts your time you know your time in spreadsheets in half. Does that mean that you get to take a nap for the rest of the day at work? No, it means you get to do other projects. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like come on, and, man, that that ain't real. <laughs> and as we've learned from our favorite from our favorite farming simulator, Stardew Valley, just because you make something more efficient does not mean you get to take any time off. I mean, no. We talked about this in our last episode together. I mean, we produce, you know, the most powerful sprinkler so we don't have to water that morning. We still got to go collect the milk and the eggs and the in the wool and all that sort of stuff. We still have to go to town and, and talk to people. We still have to make connections. Like, it opens up time for other things, but you do not have leisure time by any means. No, no. You got to go you got to go slay the skeletons down in the in the cave, literally <laughs> exactly. and figuratively. <laughs> exactly. And farmers are slaying those skeletons all the time. I mean, you know, efficiency is always the key of agriculture not because farmers are lazy but because they have way too many things to focus on to just not have that time spared exactly to to my friends who maybe only have have just a little bit of land imagine how much time it takes to landscape and you know maybe have a little garden and do a little mowing and this and that you know it takes it takes a better part of a weekend imagine that times hundreds or thousands of acres and it's like you think for just a minute if they don't have to water the garden or you know can spend a little less time harvesting you don't think that, that there's not something else they need to be doing <laughs> on those hundreds <laughs> and thousands of acres <laughs> nah there, right. there's still plenty of work that needs to be done <laughs> yeah no exactly i mean that's and that's that's one of the things that i was kind of chuckling at too because i was just like they they have no idea just how much work is going on on those operations it's it's, it's not as simple as you know they just wash the tractor all day like there's a million one other things that they could be doing but I yeah, thought it was, then, 
I thought it was really interesting how economic these economical these tractors are because right. you know, poten- potentially they could spend the money they were going to spend on a regular tractor and then maybe use some money to hire hands to do other things. I, I feel like this is one of those cases where automation may actually make more jobs as opposed to reduce the number of people uh, who need to work because it seems like so often automation reduces jobs because like that's why you spend so much more money on an expensive robot so you don't have to hire hands to go out and do a do a worse job in this particular instance you're spending the same money you would have spent because tractors are expensive and mm. maybe could free you up because it does so much more that you you know free up funds that you could use to hire other people to do other things so hire more people to do more jobs and get more things done i think that's huge but anyway i, I, I derailed you a little bit there but I, I just wanted to make that point since we were there i thought that was a really cool thing that this isn't going to cost five hundred thousand dollars or something no and it's funny you say that because that perfectly transitioned to the point i was about to make which was you know another misconception that people think this is going to take up the jobs of everybody um so that kind of worked out but oh perfect totally yeah, I'm, so, I'm reading your mind there <laughs> yeah we, like like i said we're on the same same wavelength again <laughs> but um no i mean like like you mentioned this this solves a, a massive issue that's been facing agriculture recently which is equipment is getting more and more expensive and less and less available i mean it's 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 providing like you mentioned a a product that is of the same if not better quality and it's for a very similar price which saves the farmer a lot of headache trying to find equipment that is going to be high enough quality and cheap enough that's not going to break their bank and like you mentioned it's it's going to replace some jobs but it's going to open up other ones i mean this has always been my my argument again you know for technology uh, you know when people say oh well developing new technology just takes away the job from somebody else it's like well yeah well that also asks that person to upgrade their skills a little bit that way they can get the new job of operating it you know the, the tractor replaced many jobs when it was invented this is going to replace some other jobs but it's going to create new ones because people are going to have to be technicians for this thing they're going to have to operate it they're going to have to understand how to you know change out the batteries for it and all that kind of stuff and at the end of the day we're we're facing one of the the largest labor shortages in agriculture that we've ever seen. There are definitely other jobs out there that this tractor is not going to replace. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I, I I'm I'm definitely interested to see where it goes because it's hard to predict what will change until you just get into it. But there the potential's huge. Yes, absolutely. So and I and, and speaking of potential, there is a um, another point that I, I wanted to bring up, which was the educational potential for this, because this is an educational podcast. I got to find some some way to use this to teach people. Um, so one of the the things I think is really great about this is that kind of like we were just mentioning, this opens up opportunities for people who do not come from agricultural backgrounds but still have an interest in technology. Um, you know, showing people how much tech is involved in ag and, you know, talking about this whole electric vehicle transition into the agriculture industry, you're going to see a lot of people who are, you know, computer scientists, who are technologists, who are inventors, who are, you know, designers of, of artificial intelligence and that kind of stuff start to take an interest in agriculture. And that could open up a huge job market for them that we need help with because we don't have people in those positions. And it's going to open up a lot of possibility for people who maybe they're trying to go to Silicon Valley and there's no jobs there. So they're trying to find anywhere else to work. Well, we need some help on the farm and it's not to milk cows. Yeah. I mean, I think that's huge. How So obviously the market potential is huge because there's a lot of farmers out there, but do, how do you, how do you see, how do you see it going about trying to sell to farmers who may be, it's a, not, we talked about them, them being them being farmers, we talked about them not 
not being technolo- technologically savvy, but oftentimes they're set in the ways of the of how they've done things in the past. How would mm-hmm. you see getting these new technologies created and then selling them into selling them to farmers in a way that farmers are able able and willing to receive them? Does that make sense? Do, yeah. do you see do you see that being a, a, a good market? Because there's definitely potential. There's so much, you know, just how cool this is. Like, it's one of those things like, I, you know, more people should be doing that because that's awesome. But how well do you see that being sold to a farmer who, who has, you know, bought John Deere forever and like, I'm not buying anything else. John Deere you know, does not break. I don't know who Monarch is. Uh, you know, <laughs> who's going <laughs> to fix my Monarch when it breaks? You know, and and so how do you see, how do you see marketing going for those those kind of um these new technology companies no i think that's an excellent point it's it's important to have that in mind as we kind of go forward i think that it's going to be difficult at first i mean it's going to take some time for the industry to really adapt to this new technology and so the average age of the american farmer right now is about 58 years old and he's getting older um so obviously we're going to have a lot of older older generation farmers that are not going to adapt to this very well they're going to be like you mentioned stuck in their ways of you know john deere is my company i'm not ever trading to anyone else and we very likely won't ever reach those guys but what we're seeing right now is a very steady i mean we're trying our hardest to get it to expand more but we're seeing a slight increase in the younger generation of farmers adapting to this technology and i think that that's the market that we go for it's Probably not likely that we're going to get some of the older, older generation farmers in, in on this. But if we get guys that are, you know, in like the like the early fatherhood age, you know, like late 20s, early 30s that are starting farms and, and they're you know busy with other aspects of their life, they're going to see this as a very positive advantage, especially in the face of the labor shortage that we've been talking about. And in the face of all the you know, regulations and the different environmental factors, this is going to be a big deal for them. Um, so I don't think that it's going to be massively accepted by the entire agricultural community at least not for a while but if we get the younger guys on board which i don't think will be hard eventually the the older guys will start to see just how much time and money that they're saving by using that product and they will eventually convert as well we're seeing this with with other technology as well yeah what other technologies are you seeing it in uh so one of the big ones has been uh carousel barns um so in the dairy industry we have uh carousels which are basically just it's just like it sounds like a, it's like a giant spinning wheel that we stick cows on while they're milking and it calms the cows down and it collects the milk a lot more efficiently. You can fit more cows into it in a smaller space and it's a lot cheaper than an old milk barn. And, you know, it's basically just a lot more efficient. Um, it's a technology that we didn't see a whole lot of older farmers adapting to because they were like, well, my milk barn works just fine. But until the younger guys started using it, they, and all of a sudden they started to realize, oh, these guys are saving a lot more time. They're using a lot more cows in a lot smaller of a space and the cows are happier. They're healthier. The milk is, is a lot more efficient and it's, it's being collected at a better rate. I mean, just seeing the benefits because farmers are number people, right? I mean, they, they like seeing the, the positive reactions to some of these technologies before they start implementing them. If you can get the younger guys in on it first, the farmers are going to likely to be like, Oh, well that's saving him money. So I want to try that too. We're seeing the same thing with methane digesters. I mean, the, the currently the state government is incentivizing some farmers, especially younger farmers, to adapt to uh, methane digesters, which are basically giant you know biomass converters that take in the methane that, that cows produce and convert it into a usable energy source. Um, and this isn't being widely adap- adapted by some of the, the older generation farmers, but it is by some of the younger ones. And we're starting to see that the 
the age of the people who are using this technology is going up and up. And it's not just because those people are getting older. It's because the average farmer that is using that technology is starting to realize that it's a, a generally good technology to implement for efficiency and for cost effectiveness. And so we're seeing older generations adapt that as well. That's a good idea. I mean, like I say, well, what farmers, you know, especially, you know, your traditional, you know, classic, what you think of as a farmer, I guess, um, they are very numbers driven. They, you know, they run, they've been running a business for years, a lot of times family business. So they've been helping run business for since they were children. So they're very, you know, <laughs> very attuned to the numbers. And uh, so, yeah, I think that makes sense where you, you know, somebody who's a little more, you know, the younger generation might be a little more uh, willing to take risk. I think that's a good one to market to. And, you know, they'll be t- t- typically more tech savvy too. So they'll be, whenever things are going well for them, the older generations are, all right, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot now. So yeah, that's, that's a, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just like with anything else, you know, until you show them the, because especially with the older generation, I mean, like, you just, like you just mentioned, the young guys, they're, they're willing to take their risk because they're almost like a, uh, not necessarily like, what do I have to lose kind of mentality, but, you know, very similar to that kind of, you know, that kind of uh, risk analysis. Those older guys, though, if you can show them like, hey, not only is this going to make your job way easier, it's going to make you more money. And you know how you're like on the verge of having to sell the farm because of all this, this will get rid of that problem. Like even the hard, you know, some of the hardest headed farmers are going to see the the benefit of that and they're going to adapt to it if they don't then the market's probably gonna eat them up anyway and somebody else will take their place which sounds really harsh don't get me wrong i don't want that to happen but a lot of those older farmers are getting to the point where they just want to keep farming how they're farming until they retire anyways and like i said we may not ever convince them and that's perfectly fine but as long as we convince the younger guys to start adapting it you'll start to see a domino effect as as you continue up up the supply chain yeah so yeah, and then I actually had some some questions that I thought would be kind of fun to uh, pick your brain about. Oh, okay, all right. I'm 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 down. I'm ready. Let's go. So, since we're talking about new technology in agriculture and you know beneficial ways to produce food, if you could design a new piece of technology for food collection or production or you know anything along those lines, what would you like to see? Hmm, that's difficult. But you know. <laughs> it- I'm gonna think. I'm gonna go outside the box a little bit, um, okay. because it's it's easy to think of it. Now, granted, I'm not gonna make this, you know. So, so that's this is somebody else's job. This is free brainstorming for some some happy help, happy helpful uh, uh, Silicon Valley person out there. I don't even. I don't even know this would be Silicon Valley. This may be more of an engineering problem. But anyway, um, you know, everybody thinks about the you know the the type of you know, sorter, automatic sorting that will, you know, sort out your, your various nuts and fruits and things like that, that shake stuff out and then, and, you know, you dump in a whole bunch of stuff and out comes a bunch of apples, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. th- those exist, that, that's the thing. What I'm thinking about, what about like an automatic, and this may be, you know, maybe a slight content warning here, but what about like an automatic butchering? Like, so like whenever it's time to, to, you know, for meat, for, for cows mm-hmm. or pigs or whatever, an automatic butchering so that, because right now that's still a very manual process. You, you know, you have a butcher and you, you, you do, you, you <laughs> cut up the, the, the various pieces of meat. So I wonder if having an automated system that would, that would cut that up, you know, completely automatically, you, you, you put in a cow and you come out with steaks and ground beef and, and various cuts and all that. And it's all perfect. You know, something like that would, to me, make sense. I don't know. I, I, I may maybe be hmm. 
being too morbid, maybe too much of a content warning. I don't know, but <laughs> but uh, I, something like that I think would make would be huge because then potentially you have less middlemen between the farm and the the store. So you know if the farmer could uh, you know run you know run their their cow through the machine and then out comes the meat. They could sell it directly to to the store, maybe make more of their own money and you know keep the keep some of the distribution costs down. That might be you know, and you get more farm fresh meat. So I don't know, just something hmm. that's also an ancient technology because you know we're we're going to to plant based meat and so I, I I don't know. I'm just I'm talking out of my head, but I don't know. It just <laughs> seemed interesting on the spot. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I think it'd be really interesting to to explore. Um I think that, which is funny, because as you were saying it, I was like, well, there might be reasons that why that can't work, because the cow might be moving a lot, or might be because, you know, they have to line things up, and then I was thinking about it, I was like, that's probably what most people said about most industries before we automated them. So I'm sure it's very much possible, it's just a matter of finding a way to do it efficiently, and, and in a way that's both humane, and, and you know, isn't going yeah. to cause, obviously isn't going to cause the animal any pain, Um but well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Well, after the animal is no longer with us, um, you know, right? That that yeah. So so it's like, don't, okay. it's like, don't worry, little cow. Just come right down the chute, and there we go. <laughs> and now we have steak. It's like what what just happened? Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's steak. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. That would that would be really cool. I mean, I I can't imagine that it'd be incredibly difficult to to produce. I mean, if if you just save that you know that that process of actually putting you know the animal out, then you know, for, for humans, and then you just like hang them up by the by the foot, and then everything else is taken care of via you know machine. I could very easily see that being the case. Um, yeah, th- I mean, that, that that's what it, I mean. Almost like you do milking, but you, it it does the butchering, and so that, that that's kind of what I have in mind. Right. Yeah, and it really wouldn't be that hard to de- to detect like you know fat to muscle ratio in that case, and then you'd be able to like make cuts around like where the fat is. That way, the muscle gets separated per- perfectly. And you know, I, I I definitely don't see that being an issue at all. I just it would depend on how, you know, how precise you would want the technology and that sort of thing. So like maybe it just makes like the general cuts and then you have to like go in there specifically to get like a ribeye versus a brisket versus, you know, like that kind of stuff. I think something like that for it to work, it would really need to be super precise because you would, one of the selling points would need to be less waste. And so, cause if you're wasting meat, then that's not, I mean, just saving some time is not enough selling point. It would need to be more precise for it to be viable. I would think. That is true. Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I think that'd be. I mean, that that's definitely not what I what I was expecting, but that that is definitely a very <laughs> very possible piece of technology. I think. What were you expecting? What would you have liked to seen? Like to I have mean, seen. I was definitely not expecting the animal industry. If if I was if I'm being honest, like I was expecting something along the lines of like. You know, because obviously we have you know some some types of, of crops that can be picked. You know more. Uh, more efficiently with you know with robotics i mean like uh like walnuts and and you know other like tree nuts we can shake them off the tree or we have you know certain crops that can be picked you know like like a i don't know if citrus has been automated yet i know that we mostly pick it by hand but i don't know if certain operations are op- are automating it. i don't think so um but even like you know like corn we have like a machine that can you know just harvest it all at once um i would be interested in seeing um, or this is, this is kind of the direction that I was somewhat expecting you to go. This is, this is where I would go with it as well. Um, something that could more precisely pick small fruits. So like berries, you know, like blueberries, strawberries, ah. um, like, like those, like very small fruits that are very delicate and are not easy to pick. Um, cause you know, the only reason we haven't automated them is because any machine that touches them, they'll, you know, explode immediately. So yeah. 
and they're pretty well adhered to the bush too, like blueberries and that kind of stuff. You know, comparatively speaking, I mean, you can easily you can right. pull them off with your hand, but you can't shake it. You can't. <laughs> so right, exactly. Yeah. So I, what it would look like, I'm not entirely sure, but like I just imagine like a like a Dr. Seuss like backpack that just has like hands coming out of it that just like grab all the berries. Um, I mean, that would be sick. <laughs> yeah, not not quite the the level of realism that I think would be necessary, but. Um, like that is kind of the, the general outline that I would go for something that could really accurately and precisely pick fruit that can't be, uh, harvested via machine right now. What do you mean? It's not realistic. I want a hand pack right now. (laughs) Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll deliver him with your Wally. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, and then, uh, one of the other questions I had was, so going back to the, the electric, you know, uh, autonomous tractor, what do you think is the coolest part of of this new tech? Man, ah, oh, man, that, that so much of it. I mean, I feel like so. I I I love how modular that they were making things. So I already mentioned the the hot swappable battery. That's really cool. Um, I thought it was really neat how it could charge on you know, regular two twenty volts and four to twenty outlets in four to five hours. So it can operate for ten hours and can charge and fortify in a plug-in that most farmers already have on their on their property somewhere so that's really cool um i love i i just love how they were also thinking about you know tesla is going for miles you know you're you you want to get this many miles on a charge whereas uh these guys monarch was thinking about doing hours of operation which is way more important to a farmer because you know you, you know any hours down is time not making money. So mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 those processes that they were thinking about really made sense for the product they were making. And so you could tell that a lot of people were thinking very smartly about the target demographic that they were shooting for. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that's, that's really interesting. Uh, I think one of the things that really attracted my eye was the agrivoltaics, you know, the, the whole uh, being able to conserve more water and, you know, waste less, yeah. you know, less material in, in the production. Like, I think that part was really cool. Um, I'm, I'm with you on the whole, like, you know, focusing on, on hours instead of mileage. Cause that's one of the biggest issues, you know, when it comes to equipment is, you know, how long can you run it before you need to stop running it? I think that was really cool that they had that in mind and that, you know, just how much thought they put into, you know, the actual concerns the farmers are going to be dealing with is just incredible to me. I agree. I agree. And, you know, quibbles aside of uh, taking vacation and things like that, I, I think uh, aside from those little details, I feel like uh, <laughs> they they really did do a good job of really encapsulating who their market is and the kind of person who'd want to be buying it. So I feel like I feel like there there's a lot of opportunity there. One thing I didn't I don't recall from the video did is this tractor actually drivable by a human as well or is it only able to be automated or remotely controlled i forget because it being only a foot and a half or only a little over a foot wide that's not a lot of room for a person inside so i'm wondering uh I'm, i can't remember if they were doing doing it where it could be piloted by a human inside uh i didn't see anything in the video that suggested that suggested that it did look like it had a cab but i'm not sure if that was just for like the uh like the computer um as far as I can tell, just from the size of, of the tractor as a whole, it probably can't be piloted unless you have like a really, really small person. Um, but I, <laughs> if I had to guess, I would say it was probably mostly remote. Okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking as well. And I noticed the cabin as well, but it, it was kind of hard to tell. It's like, it doesn't look like a, a per- place for a person to sit. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I was just curious. 
Yeah. So is there anything about this new technology that concerns you at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I mean I don't think so. I think there there's that they really hit a lot of the pain points. I mean, I, I think the big question for this is going to be the big question for a lot of electric vehicles and that service. How do you, mm-hmm. you know, are they going to make this a sealed off box like Tesla does? Because if that, you know, that's going to be a huge turnoff to farmers. Farmers like to work on their own stuff. Farmers don't can't just get techs out and op, you know work on their stuff when it breaks. So are they going to make, excuse me, they're, they're really making, they're working on making, everything else hot swappable like batteries, you know, are they going to make it where you can work on this? Um, yeah. And so if so, that's great. If not, that's a, that's potentially an issue because it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter how good the product is because all products break. Everything breaks. It does not matter how bulletproof it is. It will break. And so I, I think it's going to be a big deal for the farmers to be able to work on it. That would be my biggest concern. Interesting. Like, I hadn't really thought about that, but you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, farmers are very dead set in their like, I fix my own kind of stuff, you know, don't, don't touch my, my equipment, you know, like they don't, they don't, farmers don't like relying on other people, you know, they're, they're very self-sufficient. And like you said, they don't want to have to wait on a technician to come out and work on that. So yeah, I, I would definitely have to agree with you that that would be a major, a major concern if they did not make it, you know, user friendly enough that a farmer could do their own operation on it. But if they do that, then that'll be huge. Yeah. Now, granted, you probably know this better than me, but I didn't realize. But it seems like even, but newer tractors like John Deere and that kind of stuff are more and more like sealing farmers out. Isn't that right? I mean, I, I've heard stories about that in different technology circles and right to repair, and which you know maybe part of the reason why things are getting expensive and also why farmers don't like to buy new tractors because <laughs> i'm like i want to be able to work on my stuff but uh, is that right um because that i'm thinking of a video that i've seen a while back so it may be off base so if if it is wrong please please correct me no that that's actually 100 percent accurate i mean a lot of newer tractors especially the ones that have like gps and other like computerized you know apps along uh, you know along their their uh features are becoming more and more closed off to farmers um, a lot of you know it, because most farmers will rent out their tractors they don't always you know own them themselves um and so oftentimes the company that, that is renting out the tractor is very specific about you know hey don't touch you know don't touch anything in there let me mess with it and farmers don't like that i mean john deere is one that has definitely had a lot of issues in the past i think there, there's even been some lawsuits with um i i, I vaguely remember a story and i actually think i heard this from another guest maybe you told me this or somebody um, I remember a story of, of this guy who uh, had a John Deere tractor and he had it break down. I think like like the teeth of one of his, you know, one of his attachments broke. And so he called them to have it repaired and they like wouldn't return his call for like hours. And like, you know, it, it got to be like a day later and he like didn't hear back from him. So he just switched it out himself. And when he returned it to them, they were like, hey, why'd you switch it out? And he was like, because you weren't answering. And they actually sued him for it. And so he fought them and won because they weren't offering their services to him. Wow. No, I was not the one who told you about that, but that's crazy town and good for him. <laughs> he deserved to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, I definitely don't blame farmers for wanting older vehicles because again, like you said, they're, they're a lot more, uh, you know, easy to operate for, for older, you know, older generational farmers, but it's definitely an issue that's facing you know agriculture right now as people are being really really picky with who they let touch their tractors what a time to be alive <laughs> yeah no kidding 
Um, so, so one of the other things I want to touch on was what, I mean, obviously there was a lot of information that we passed around today. Um, is there anything specifically that you learned about, you know, through this whole video and through this whole conversation that you'd like to really highlight? Um, I probably have seen the statistic before, but I was surprised and shocked at how, again, how much water the ag community uses. 85%. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And so the whole agrivoltaic thing uh, of being able to use solar panels and reduce water usage, I thought that was really interesting. So uh, there was a lot of stuff that I learned about, but that stood out to me. And it's, I I think that is something I'm going to stick with me. That's going to stick with me for for a long time to come because I thought that was really interesting, a very surprising statistic. So, yeah, I, I thought that was probably the most interesting thing. Hmm. What about you? Interesting. I mean, <laughs> a lot of it was pretty new for me. I'm not, I'm, I'm very tangentially aware of a lot of the technology that's going on in the ag realm. I, I kind of don't really know a lot, of, a lot of the like specifics. And so I was able to learn quite a bit about like agrivoltaics. That was kind of one of the big ones for me. Um, the water usage was, was one that I was like, again, aware of, but I wasn't quite, you know, aware of how, how deep it went. Um, you know, just a lot of the, there. <laughs> um, a, a lot of the more tech, you know, techie based stuff was, was new for me. But, um, as far as like the issues that, that the, uh, industry is facing and a lot of the advantages using this tech, I was, I was pretty, pretty much aware of. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And then I think my final question, do you see, you know, tech like this and, and even like, you know, the videos like we watched about it um, opening up like a like open, basically opening the door for conversation and interest between, you know, like rural and urban communities kind of like, you know, on, on your podcast about tech. Do you see like, you know, conversations like this opening up more people to have an interest in agriculture? I think it's certainly possible. I mean, I think I think a bigger question might be, though, even still, if I may pivot you a little bit. Yes, I, I could see something like this because this is just very interesting stuff. I could see technology like this making farming more accessible to more people, which I think would almost be more interesting because if somebody like myself could buy a tractor that can do the heavy lifting of of knowing how to take care of my crops then my i can focus more on business and on maybe other aspects of farming that might be better suited to me versus the the particulars of how best to water and how best to weed and how best to do these these smaller things maybe i can focus more on business and the areas that would be better suited to my mind and so i could see it opening up farming to different people that may have previously written it off and said nah farming's not for me so i i I think that yes, it could open up the conversation, but maybe in a different way, as uh, as opposed to making people more aware, maybe making people more, make it an open career field for more people. Maybe interesting. I like that idea. I hope that, that I hope that you're right about that. Me too, because I like food. <laughs> as do I. Um, but yeah, so that kind of wraps up all my questions. I don't know. Did you have any other thoughts or anything else that you wanted to talk about in that conversation? I don't think so. I really enjoyed the video, and I've enjoyed this conversation as well. Um, I, I, the, this kind of stuff gets me pumped, and so I, I really enjoyed learning new things and uh, you know stuff outside of my normal sphere of iPhones and computers and <laughs> things like that. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, and you know, on your next episode of, of your tech podcast, you could be like, yeah, iPhones are great, but have you guys heard of agrivoltaics? And just completely threw everyone off. <laughs> 
dude, I, I kind of want to just casually throw that out there and just see my <laughs> uh, co-host reaction and be like, um, this wasn't in the show notes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. So um, trust me, man, we're going to riff. It's going to be fun. Awesome. I can't wait for it. Um, but no, that, that, I think that was a, a very good, you know, productive conversation, got some good ideas flowing and stuff like that. Some interesting thoughts on the future of ag and tech and ag tech. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> awesome. So I think that kind of wraps everything up for me. Um, if you have any other thoughts, feel free to share them. If not, go ahead and remind everyone who you are, where they could find you and anything else you want to plug. Hi. Uh, yes, you may follow me on Twitter, gameguy2006. My name is Patrick, and you can also listen to my melodious voice uh, talking primarily right now on ubiquitous methods, talking about tech. Um, you can also uh, hear an archive of thoughts uh, at Silly Mundane Things. Uh, both of those places are anywhere you get your podcast. If for some reason it's not anywhere you get your podcast, let me know, and I'll uh, I hunt them down, and I will put it there. So thank you. <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll be sure to put all that down in the description so people can find you. Um, Thank you. you. Know, and thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. You know, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You know, like, like I've always said, you're always welcome to come back because you are one of my one of my best guests. It's the reason you're part of the All Star season. Um, but yeah, oh, it's, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun as always. I really appreciate you taking the time to have this very interesting conversation about a topic that I think we both did not realize how deep it could get. Seriously. um but yeah i think that kind of covers everything so thanks again patrick for joining me it was definitely a lot of fun um i'll link all your stuff down in the description and if you have anything else you want linked down there just let me know i'll put it down there for you appreciate it thank you yeah of course so thanks again patrick for uh helping with this episode thanks to all of you for tuning in and for uh listening to our crazy banter for the last hour or so um (laughs) but yeah (laughs) that that wraps everything up for us so i can't you know can't express how much i appreciate all of this and hope to catch you all next week and don't forget if you wait today thank a farmer <laughs>